Greetings, most excellent Theophilus. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome back, Theophilus, and sayonara to the bill that would have been passed mandating that any business with over five with over a hundred employees would mandatorily have to enforce vaccination upon their employees. Score one for bodily autonomy. And look, it is a free country. If you want to inject your body with chemicals that may or may not have very negative effects down the road, um, you know, if you want to sign up to get a, if you are a loved one, use Johnson & Johnson and have suffered from X symptoms, you may be entitled to financial compensation. You're, you're free to do that. It is a free country. Um, do I think you should? No. Do I think... Um, do I think it should be enforced? Mandatory? No. Do I still think it's child abuse if it is forced on a child? Yes. The same way I think injecting your kid with any chemicals that may uh, permanently alter their body in negative ways uh, is child abuse. I mean, at least with giving them hormone blockers, we know exactly what's going to be damaged in their body. We're not going to know for some time just the long-term effects of these rapidly created vaccines. But I'm glad that as information comes out about that, I'll have something to talk about for the rest of my natural life, I'm sure. In other news, I finally started getting my tooth problems addressed. I got a cleaning last Monday, and next Monday, I shall they shall start drilling and filling. Uh, but no, it was nice. The clinic has... Uh, actually, this really nice thing, it's called a hypersonic tool. Basically, just vibrates most of the dirt off, and then they have to get into some of the problem areas with the sharper thing. Which, as always, is the worst sensation. Um, but that's going to the dentist now, isn't it? Uh, not as invasive as normal. Um, I hope their method of injecting of uh, ramming steel into your gums is a little more comfortable as well. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> perhaps perhaps a little na na nitrous. Um, pardon if I sound a bit mumbly. Um, I have a dull, throbbing headache um, in sort of the right frontal area of my head. Um, I'm drinking water, and I took some painkiller for it, so <clears throat> that should hopefully subside, and my usual clarity should return to me. In other news, I converted my... I uh, did some conversions with some of my Legion models with a package I received yesterday. I now have the Stars Episode 2 <laughs> droid and 3PO head swap ready for me to paint up. Um, it's difficult to find good color references for Episode 2 C-3PO, but I'll find them. Lord Vader, we will find them. Um, so, there's that. Um, Yep, working on that slow, arduous process. Then I have to find all of the storage space for all the things, crazy, crazy things I want to do. Um, yes. Yes. Oh, I think without further ado, we shall jump into the next chapter of Pelagius' commentary. As you'll remember if you listened last week, Theophilus... We read the first chapter, and now we have the technology.
we can <laughs> we are ready to move on let me pull up the greek on bible hub um ba -da -bam. Oh, sort of a weird extension of the last segment. Uh, I finally got to see the latest episode of Boba Fett. Don't understand why everyone hates it. Um, I only have one gripe about it. Um, 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 anyways, no spoiling. Um, Alright. Romans 2.1 Therefore, inexcusable are you, old man. Let's see what Plagius had to say. Therefore you, everyone who passes judgment, are without excuse. For in whatever matter you pass judgment on another person, you condemn yourself. For you who pass judgment do the same things. I think that's about the longest section he's taken. Um... Why are there why are there dash marks in here? Therefore you, therefore you. Therefore inexcusable. This is probably the Latin. The Greek reads, therefore inexcusable, unapologetus are you, O man. Each all who judge. In for that which you judge the other. Yourself. <laughs> Sorry, that was a yawn that came up on me. Uh, yourself you are condemning for the same things you do the you do as the one judging um, so he commentates everyone passage judgment on people of this sort but above all this concerns those who are in a possession to pass judgment Judges and princes are being brought to trial. For by means of natural judgment, each person pronounces a sentence which fits the deed. And all know that both uprightness deserves reward. And all know both that uprightness deserves reward and that wickedness meets a punishment. Okay, reading on. Now we know that God's judgment is in accordance with the truth against those who do such things. Commentary. The judgment by which people of this sort, people who were able to condemn others, who able to condemn in others what they did not hesitate to commit themselves, are judged as in accordance with the truth. For if you, a sinner, pass judgment upon a sinner like yourself, how much more will God, who is just, judge you to be unjust? Otherwise, it would perhaps appear to him that evil is pleasing and good is displeasing. In fact, we read that, showing no favoritism, um, that he, showing no favoritism, spared neither his friends nor his angels when they sinned. Uh, but human judgment is compromised in many ways. The integrity of the judge is often violated by love, hatred, fear, and greed, and now and then mercy is inclined against the rule of justice. Reading on, but to you, someone who passes judgment on those who do these things and yet do the same things, imagine that you will escape God's judgment, or do you scorn the riches of his goodness and patience and forbearance, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to Repentance. The Creston to Theu. Just interesting. Commentary reads um, Or do you delude yourself about your impunity? Because God does not punish immediately. And seeing time to turn the page. Seeing time wear on and the goodness abound, imagine that there is no longer a judgment. Well then, listen to the words of Scripture. The Lord is not tardy with his promises, but wait patiently on your account, 
not wanting anyone to perish, but desiring everyone to turn in repentance. The Lord is good in so far as he waits, just as in so far as he punishes. Wherefore the prophet warns, do not be slow to turn to, to do not be slow to turn to the Lord, uh, nor put it off from one day to the next, for his wrath comes unexpectedly, and at the time of vengeance he will destroy you, Ecclesiastes five seven. And again, you should not say, I sinned, and I did, and did any misfortune befall me? For the Most High is long-suffering in taking vengeance. The people lead themselves far astray on account of God's patience, because he does not wish to punish sinners at once, because he delays. Because he delays. They suppose either that he does not care in the least about human affairs, or that he pardons faults. May even... Uh, one may even... Or sorry, many even rail at him. Why doesn't he punish right away? Because they did not realize that if he had done so, almost no one would have ever survived. Uh, and the righteous would never have come from the unrighteous. Furthermore, from a human point of view, God seems to wait a long time for sinners. Since we consider a hundred years in eternity because our lifespan is so short, but God, with whom a thousand years is one day, does not equate a hundred years with the space of an hour. Therefore, it is not enough for God, uh, since even people usually expect amendment in sinners only after a short time. Uh, only after a long time. So, this isn't bad on its face, what he's saying here. But I think if you listen closely, you can hear some of the undertones of his theology. Um, his his understandings of man and sin um, in ways that don't quite add up. Um, there is a context in which what he's saying could be perfectly sound, but... Um, on a grander scale, um, what's the phrase? Um, what's the phrase? Sorry. Or that he pardons their faults. Um, in a sense, he does. Um, for the one who's in Christ, our sins have been imputed to Christ, and his righteousness has been imputed to us. The great exchange, oh sweet exchange, Mate taste writes to Diognetus. Um, and just little things in what he says when you understand um, a biblical doctrine of man. Um, they're just a little not on their face what he's saying isn't wrong, but... It's starting to hint, I think, in the direction of some of his theological positions. Um, and I mean, I mean wrong in terms of heresy, and I mean meaningful, palpable heresy. Um, he's not said anything inherently that yet. Has he said inaccurate things? Possibly, unless they are in an absolutely correct context in which you could be saying some of the things he's saying. Um, but I don't think they are, so, um, of course they're not, it's his commentary, they're in his context, um, alright, where do we leave off, um, five, but because of your hardness, but because of your hardness and your unrepentant heart, and he cuts off there, but you, unaware that you are sick, use the very remedy to sustain greater wounds. In the words of the blessed Job, you waste the opportunity for repentance in pride. Job 24, 23. Hmm. I'm confused because that's not what Job reads in that passage. 
of that passage reads, he gives to them security and they rely on it. Um, and yet his eyes are on their ways. Um, this, web, this website doesn't give me the Vulgate version of the text. Um, let me see if I can pull up what the Vulgate should read in that text. Uh, Job 2423 Vulgate. Um, I just want the Vulgate itself. Um, okay, let's use. them in the feeling of security, but his eyes are on their ways. Dedite Deus locum ponetentea. I either whoever was annotating this book got the reference wrong. Um, well, they had to. I don't know what passage, because the, the annotation of the quotation, I'm fairly certain, is not authentic to, uh, to, 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 to Pelagius. Um, yeah, because Pelagius did not have verse divisions. Um, he may have had chapter divisions by then, especially in the Hebrew. The Hebrew itself uh, divides uh, chapters. There are markers that execute verses, <clears throat> punctuate verses. Um, perhaps this is a very big um, hyperbolic rendering of what it says. No. I was double checking because um, it be an, technically could be an argument point from some opposition if that's what it said properly, but that doesn't seem to be what the verse says. Um, okay, continuing on. Spurned in kindness. Spurned kindness leads consequently to heavier judgment, so that the one who refused to be affected by his mercy is affected by punishment. Okay. No, yeah, certainly. Greater light, greater judgment. Yes. Um, I don't know what's with that Job quote, because I don't know if that's even authentic to Job. But let's read on. Um, all right. You are stirring up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath and of the revealing of God's righteous judgment, <clears throat> who will render unto each one according to his deeds. He cuts it off here, oh, which is a sad thing the Catholic likes to do and not take things in context. You yourself are laying up wrath upon wrath for yourself on the day of judgment, which will be revealed at the time and fixed in a certain and certain in God's mind. Pointless aside. Uh, reading on. To those who with patience in good work, the reward for good work, the reward for work is awaited with patience because it is not given in this life. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Or if work endures right to the end, then it will be perfect. What? What is, what is this um, profundity? Uh, because one who perseveres <clears throat> right to the end will be saved. Is that his interjection in the text? One who perseveres right to the end will be saved? That's I, Theologically, that's not what that passage from Matthew is saying. 
It is God who works in us to will and to work. Um, we're not saved because we do work. We do work because we are saved. Um. Oh. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, glory and honor and incorruption. The glory with which the saints will shine as the sun, Matthew 13, 43. Uh, the honor of the children of God. Nothing is greater than this. On account of it, they will judge even the angels. Uh, the incorruptible life without end. Seek eternal life. I, he just chops this up so much. It's annoying. Um... Where was I? The one who works with, who works, who with works of patience seeks eternal life, um, shall attain all these things. And the one who has this hope in God makes himself holy, just as God is holy. We, we make ourselves holy. I, th I personally think it's blasphemy to think we could be as holy as God of our own volition. Um, in and of ourselves. Um, and I've been reading, uh, side note, I've uh, well not side note, this is relevant. I've been reading the Torah. I buy daily readings at work, at lunch, um, in Leviticus. There are many places where God says, I am Yahweh who sanctifies you. He's the one who hagiasis us, sanctifies us. Um, in fact, let me, let me check the Latin here, because in the back of the book it does give us, what just says Latin. No, well, it doesn't give him the words of his commentary, um, so never mind. Um... But the word here, holy, would probably be sanct, sant, santus, you know, something like that. <clears throat> the Latin word. Um, translating the Greek, hagias, you know, hagia sophia. Um, it's God who sanctifies us, not ourselves. It's God who holies us. Um, eight. Um... But those who live by strife, the commentary, those who are often overcome by enmity and fall into strife should take heed. They should be fearful um, of persisting in so injurious a habit, lest all the punishments mentioned below be visited upon them. Now it has already been pointed out that there that one is contentious, especially when one tries to defend someone against one's conscience. Don't know what he's referring to. Uh, continuing on, that's where it didn't sound like he was done with his thought, but okay, he just lets the comment, he just lets the text flow on. Um, who do not accept the truth, uh, but believe what is evil. What verse is this? Eight. I'm gonna read the Greek because that doesn't make sense to me. To those, however, to those of self-interest in disobeying the truth, uh, however, being persuaded about unrighteousness, uh, wrath and anger. Those who live by strife, who do not accept the truth, but believe what is evil. I don't think that's inherently within the right semantic domain of adikia. Um, from that same dikaio, dikaiosune, you know, righteousness, and then a meaning um, against um, or un here unrighteousness. That's a weird translation. Uh, yeah, that's a weird translation. 
Somebody ought to tell Jerome. Um, okay, where was I? Uh, they do not believe in the truth of the gospel and approve of evil, so that, having abandoned the creator, they zealously serve the creature. Um, wrath and displeasure. He's letting the text flow on again. These are punishments that judgment brings. Oh, wrath and displeasure are apparently the Latin translations of tribulation and distress. Um, in verse 9, um, trouble and distress uh, of conscience of of conscience and fruitless fruitless repentance um, Matthew 3 8 and Luke 3 8 are apparently both cross cross references for fruitless repentance let me do a little nasby searching Oh, yeah, that's uh, therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. The Luke cross reference is not found in John chapter 8, even though I flipped to my bookmark. Therein, uh, 3.8, therefore bearing fruits in keeping with repentance, do not begin to say to yourselves, da 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 da. Um, uh, it doesn't inherently work as a parallel to what being said um, I was talking about fruitful repentances, um, the fruit of uh, repentance uh, which is from God, not from man's own hand um, <clears throat> as it is written, they will speak to one another repenting and groaning in anguish in the spirit wisdom 5.3 <laughs> well uh, wisdom can be weird because it's not scripture. Um, okay. For the soul of every person who does evil, first the Jew and also the Greek, the apostle threatens the soul with punishment because of heretics who say that only the flesh does wrong and deny that the soul can sin. Or soul refers to the whole person, as in Genesis it is said, Jacob entered Egypt with 75 souls. Ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -ba. Uh, letting the text read on. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. Glory as opposed to wrath. To wrong was the you know the reference you know um <laughs> honor as opposed to displeasure and what can be called incorruption uh, above he calls peace here first for the jew also for the greek here he uses the term person to refer to that which is described above as soul now he writes first in the sense of indeed indeed for the jew also for the greek well no it just seems to be an ordinate statement first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So the gospel is first offered to the Jew and then offered to the Gentile. Um, but okay, go on, queen. Um, God does not show favoritism. Um, or, as concerns faith, first in time, not in honor. Okay. Uh, for God does not show favoritism. Therefore, Gentiles shall not be spug about their false ignorance, nor the Jews about their privilege in the law and in circumcision. Uh, what privilege? Uh, they're condemned by it. Because they no longer, in the day of Pelagius, they were rabbinic. Um, they, they couldn't have been following proper Judaism. Because um, the temple had fallen a long time before. Um... 12. For whoever sinned without the law will perish without the law, and whoever sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Without the written law, under the law of nature, he meant the same thing to be understood here, will perish and will be judged. Uh, for the one hand who perishes by God's judgment and 
the other, and on the other hand, the one who is judged a sinner perishes. As it is written, for the sinners will perish in Psalms 36, 20. Um, he places Jews and Gentiles on a similar footing when he says that doers rather than the hearers of the law are righteous. He's skipping ahead. Why does he, why does he like to skip ahead? He's like my Sunday school class. Um, okay. And a little further on states that the Gentiles will be judged on the day of the Lord. For does anyone doubt that those who have been placed under the law will perish just as those who live without the law, unless they have believed on Christ? For it is not the hearers of the law who are unrighteous in God's eyes, but the doers of the law will be justified. He explains why the Jews are not better than the Gentiles. We too should fear, therefore, lest we, hearing the law but not doing it, perish along with the Gentiles. At this point, he'd only be referring to the law of Moses, the Torah. So, is he, he's played just after getting Torah observance all of a sudden? Um, in the law, doing it, punch with the Gentiles. He says elsewhere, lest we think ourselves damned along with this world. Um, for when the Gentiles who do not have the law, a break in the text, in case someone should perhaps say they do not have the law, by what standard could they be judged, do by nature what pertains to the law. Either he means those who were by nature righteous in the period before the law. She probably has an unbiblical understanding of what that means. Um, or those who even now do some good. If you understand Paul, no one does good. No, not one. Um, they are a law unto themselves, even, even though they do not have the written law. Okay, he demonstrates that they do not lack a law, so as to leave the Gentiles no excuse, and to divest the Jews of glory, owning the possession of the law. Uh, they show that the work of the law has been written upon their hearts, inasmuch as their conscience bears witness to them. Nature produces a law in their heart. No, that's... No, God says he will put his law in our hearts. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And he indeed has. It's not nature. Nature's law is a little more disturbing. Um, on their hearts, the testimony of conscience, or the conscience testifies that it has a law, but because even if one sins, even if the one who's the one who sins fears no one else. The conscience is apprehensive when one numbers, uh, when one sins, and rejoices when one sin is overcome. Eh, not necessarily. Uh, plenty of people are perfectly happy about their sin. Um, and their thoughts in turn accuse or even defend them. On the day when God will judge the secrets of mankind, he asserts that there is a mental debate. When we decide by a lengthy deliberation what we ought to do and what we ought not to do, and that we should be judged according to this on the day of the Lord, because it proves that we were not ignorant of good nor evil. Or on the day of judgment, our conscience and our thoughts shall lie before our eyes like lessons of history to be learned. They will either accuse us or in fact excuse us. As it is written, I shall accuse you and set things before your face. So this is a pass this is an important passage talking about by what standard are the islanders, the people who never hear the gospel. How are they judged? Those who don't have the law, how are they judged? It's clear what scripture says. The law, we evidence that the law is written on our hearts. Um, not by nature, of course, but by God. There's a problem with that. We can't be justified by the law. They couldn't be justified. Nobody can be justified by the law. What does James say? If you stumble in one place, you have broken the whole law. For he who said, thou shalt not commit murder, also said, thou shalt not covet. So I think what it says, let me look at the exact Greek 
unparalleled passage. Um, um, Apollo Goyman to give a defense. Um, their thoughts accusing or or also or even. Um, I think this is more of just a Biblically, I don't think it can work to say that they could <laughs> um, God's law is written on our hearts. We function inconsistently with that law written on our hearts. And for that, we are judged. I think that happens even here. Um, I, I think it's more of just that elaborate statement such as when Christ says to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Um, their thoughts will accuse or even defend them. But I think the rest of Scripture is clear that if you're trying to stand on the law of Moses, you have no footing. You have no footing to be justified by the law. It is only there to condemn you. To show that you are a sinner in need of a savior, a perfect savior, who doesn't just make salvation possible, but effectively accomplishes it for you. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Back to the text. According to my gospel through Jesus Christ. Commentary, according to what I preach for Jesus' sake, um, or God will judge through Jesus Christ. Back to the text. Now, if you call yourself Jew, at this point he turns to the Jews. Um, he teaches that one ought to be a Jew, indeed, not only in name. Huh, funny that. Um, and that one will be deemed a real Jew. If what is hidden is good. If what is hidden is good. What does that mean? Um, also, I think he certain, I think Paul certainly does not mean, um, he teaches that one ought to be a Jew indeed. No, he's not saying they should be a Jew. He'd say you need to repent. <laughs> uh, let's read what his argument is, just in full words. However, if you are called a Jew, which this is a different term for calling, an eclect. Um, this is means named. If you are named as a Jew. Um, epanomaze. Um, and rely on the law and boast in God, and you know the thelema, the will, and approve of the things being superior um, and instructed out of the law, um, then you yourself are persuaded that you are a guide of the blind, a light to those in the darkness. Um, so really, he's not saying you ought to be uh, a good Jew. He's saying, look, you're guilty because you believe that you are this, but you're not. Um, you are persuaded that you are a guide to the blind, to those in the darkness, and to the foolish, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, having the embodiment of knowledge. This is verse 20. Uh, having the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Um, you teaching one another, um, do you not also teach yourself? Preaching not to steal, do you steal? Saying not to commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Abhorring idols, do you rob temples? So he's calling out their hypocrisy. That's Paul's point here. All right, let's read on. 
and glory in God and know his will. Uh, you boast you boast that you alone know God and understand his will. Having read the text, Plagius' commentary makes even less sense now. Because um, that's not Paul's argument. Um, and approve what is superior because you have been taught by the law. You choose the greater and distinguish among the lesser. For what proves beneficial in nature is made beneficial by the law. I'm a brief aside because I don't have anything to say to that very weird aside. I think Pelagius' issue with how he's breaking down this text is he's going like three to six words and then he's commentating. He's not letting the passage just speak for itself. Um, I explained Paul's point by letting Paul speak. Uh, there are many times you can simply do that. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, but... When has that stopped people from obfuscating? Um, and are convinced, and are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, for whom the light of knowledge has been darkened. Um, a light for those who are in the darkness, the darkness of ignorance. This is a pointless commentation. Um, an instructor of the foolish, who do not have the wisdom of God, a teacher of infants, of the small, in age or in understanding. Having the standard of knowledge and truth in the law, if you would always keep it in view, you could not err. Could not or would not? I think would not would be. Um, or I guess could. Well, hmm. Technically, the term could does mean what I'm trying to say. That if you could always keep the law of God in mind, yeah, you could choose to consistently live with that law. Or you could choose otherwise. But I, the blunt wording here makes it sound like it's emphatic that if you had the law of God in mind at all times, you could not possibly err. Um, but I think you could possibly err. Um... Because this is... Oh, this is starting to sound like sinless perfectionism. Uh, <laughs> um... Back to the text. You then, who teach another, do you not also teach yourself? Commentary. This is similar to what is said to the Gentiles. For you who pass judgment on one another, condemn yourself. Yes, this is a reiteration. Um, yes, Pelagius, this is a reiteration. Uh, for if you, O oh Jew, repose in the law, why do you break the law? If you glory in God, why do you dishonor him? If you know his will, why do you not obey it? If you approve of what is of greater benefit? Why do you pursue what is harmful? Why do you a blind guide for the, sorry, why do you a guide for the blind not see the right way? Ugh. Um, for if you saw it, you would surely walk in it. If you are a light for others, you who do not cast off the works of darkness, um, instructor of the foolish, why have you abandoned the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom? Teacher of infants, why are you a child in understanding? If you have the standard of knowledge and truth in law, why oh goodness, why do you neither follow it yourself nor with your wicked, wicked, it's trying to think it was wretched, with your wicked examples suffer others to follow it? Why does your life not match your teaching, and why does your conduct make ruin of your faith? As a result, it shall come to pass that because you did not keep the law. The law not only does you no good, but it even holds you guilty of the greater crime whew, of treating it with contempt. That is an interesting exegesis. Oh, man. Next verse. You who preach, you should not steal. Steal. Commentary. Some say, you steal from people by hiding Christ from them. I, that's not relevant to the context. Um, that's really not relevant to the context because the Jews, the Jews don't hide what they don't have. Um, they hide Christ from themselves. Uh, 
by their unrighteousness, suppressing the truth of God. That's Romans 1. There's my commentary on it. Um, <laughs> back to the passage, 22. You who say that one should not have committed adultery, commit adultery. Uh, commentation, there is not just one kind of adultery. For if you commit adultery, if you yield, for you commit adultery, if you yield to anyone other than God, all that the soul owes in its entirety to God. Everyone is guilty of that. That's why Christ has to be our righteousness. Platius. <laughs> um, I don't think Paul was trying to get at that broader context reality. I think he was merely straightly, uh, straightforwardly talking about regular old adultery. That good vanilla adultery. <laughs> um, how does it feel like I've been reading for less time? Um, but we're already farther along than last time. This is weird. Must be the headache. Um, okay. You who abhor idols commit sacrilege. Uh, sacrilege is something that is committed strictly against God as a violation of the sacred. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, 23. Uh, you who glory in the law dishonor God by transgressing the law. To the commentary, he has explained what is meant by sacrilege. Um, what? What? <laughs> uh, 24. For God's name is blasphemed by you amongst the Gentiles, as it is written. He has reversed, uh, commentary, he has reversed the order and cited the passage before he said it is written. Uh, really? Wait, really? Does he? What? That's interesting, does he? Uh, oh, as it has been written. Sure, okay. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't really notice that. Um, yeah, he does have graph, kathos graphatai, graphatai, graphaptai um, at the end of the quotation. Uh, okay. Um, for the speaker's words trailed off in such a way that he was found that he was saying his own words written to the same effect in the prophets. Um, and indeed, woe to them, those who unrighteous acts shall cause the Lord's name to be blasphemed, as it is written, while they are called the people of the Lord, they have defiled my name among the Gentiles, among whom they sojourned as captives because of their sins. Okay, back to the text. <laughs> Circumcision is indeed in value if you keep the law, but if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. <clears throat> in that way, it is worthless if it is of value. Oh, sorry, in that way, is it worthless if it is of value? Uh, now, if it is of value in its own day, it is, it is of value as a sign if righteousness, of which it is a seal, accompanies it. Did you understand that, Theophilus? Because I did not. Um, without righteousness, the rest will be superfluous. Superfluous. I've never really used that word myself. Other people do. Superfluous. 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 Interesting. Um, or it, it is of value because it enabled the Jew to live and to escape destruction in infancy before he came to an age of understanding. Really? What? Is, is he referring to the idea of you enter the covenant to be saved? David's son, who was not entered into the covenant, yet he's confident he'll see him again? Interesting. Uh, or because he set it in the law, 
where one discovers upon close examination that when the circumcision of the flesh ends, the true circumcision of the heart will come. Um, one then... One is then a transgressor of the law when he does not follow what is foretold therein. I'm just not even sure what to say in response to all that. That was some things that for some reason did not compute in my brain. 26. If, therefore, the uncircumcision keeps the righteousness of the law, will not their uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Uh, the invisible, oh, sorry, the visible needs the invisible, but the invisible does not need the visible. Because the visible image, sorry, because the visible is an image of the invisible, and the invisible is the reality of the visible. The circumcision of the page turn, uh, the circumcision of the flesh, therefore, needs the circumcision of the heart. But the circumcision of the heart does not need the circumcision of the flesh. Because the reality does not need the image. But the image needs the reality. If circumcision has no value by itself, one rightly wonders why it was instituted. First, in order to distinguish the people of God uh, in the midst of the Gentiles, accordingly, when they were alone in the desert, they were not circumcised. Source, um, or so that their bodies might be identified in war. It's a little weird way to put it. Um, now, the reason they were marked in that particular part of the body is, first of all, so that another part, which was open to public view, might not be disabled or defaced. Okay. Secondly, on account of the promise of grace, which one would render this part as acceptable through chastity. What? What? Secondly, on account of the promise of grace, which would render this part acceptable through chastity. I don't get that. Um, or so that it might be signified that Christ would be born from its from its seed. Excuse me. Uh, he was destined to introduce the spiritual circumcision. But until he was born, physical circumcision would continue, and it continued after, too. So, um, thus, Yehoshua, Joshua, the son of Nun, who was a type of Christ, is commanded to circumcise the people a second time. Joshua 5.2. Huh, that's interesting. Um... Indeed, that which is by nature uncircumcision... But fulfills the law will judge you. Sorry? Will judge you. In that, indeed, that which is by nature uncircumcision, but fulfills the law, will judge you. Who by the letter of the law and circumcision are a transgressor of the law will judge you, you who are, you who by the letter of the law. Sorry, okay, yeah. And circumcision are a transgressor of the law. Either as long as you pursue the literal circumcision, you spurn the, the, the spiritual one, or for not following what the law said, name, there's a leaf on this blanket, uh, namely uh, that by believing in Christ you might receive the true circumcision. Uh, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision something outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. He is a real Jew. For everything that previously was performed with regard to the outer person contained a figure of the inner person. 
this is this kind of talk this is like talking about the perpetual virginity it's such a weird quick can easily become an awkward topic if you've got the right speaker behind it <laughs> um i think this is a perfect uh, a beautiful passage showing uh, that the fulfillment of circumcision is not baptism, but the circumcision of the heart. Um, anyways. Um, the circumcision is a matter of the heart in the spirit, not according to the letter. He has not been circumcised in the flesh. His praise is not from mankind, but from God. Uh, commentary about this as it is written in the law in the last days god will circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed so that you will love the lord your god um, and again circumcise yourselves for your god and circumcise the foreskin of your heart um, not according to the letter of the law but according to the new testament which investigates the inner secrets of god the inner secrets that god alone sees boom <laughs> we made it through that chapter. Woof, we did it. I think slowly more and more, Pelagius is getting a little more and more confusing for me to understand where he's really coming from. I think the further we go along, that we might be enlightened a little bit more. We're about to get into a very theologically significant chapter. Chapter 3. I'm terrified to see what he has to say about verses 10 through wherever that statement, wherever that long chain of quotation, excuse me, quotation from Paul ends. Um, very interested to see where that goes. Uh, but I think we shall go to questions because we have a few and make this a slightly shorter, more digestible program. Won't that be nice? A lovely gift for you guys. Alrighty, it's time for questions and answers, Theophilus. You can ask me on my TikTok at Stephen the Stowell, all one word. Stephen with a V, S-T-O-W-E-L-L, Stowell. Uh, or message me on Instagram, or ask me on the podcast, uh, on the podcast, on the server, most excellent Theophilus on Discord. Uh, you can ask on one of those two prior places for a link. Isn't that nice? Uh, yeah. Ah, from the Discord, from the, sorry, not from the Discord, from the TikTok, a question from, uh, <laughs> a question from, not a question, a reminder from Captain Calvinist. Um, make sure to announce the debate. It will also be live on my YouTube. I don't know his YouTube. Um, yes, I am going to be a belligerent in a debate about messianic prophecy regarding Christ. The 29th or 30th? Did we jump on a proper date for that? Um, yeah. I need to study <laughs> because the topic he said we were going to do and the topic I thought we were going to do are two different things. Well, no, they're not. But when you when you advertise, hey, I need belligerents for a debate about the messiahship of Jesus, the messiahship, uh, it's technically a different topic that I'm going into that I already have an opening dialogue for that is a technically different than saying a debate about is the messianic prophecy really about Jesus? Um, one, I'm, I'm drawn. Well, I can see how those aren't. Mm, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, yeah. Other than that, I don't seem to have any questions from TikTok. Checking my PMs, because there are some updates in here. Uh, I wish you'd ask me an actual question, but um. Okay, now I'm not seeing it to the Discord. 
<laughs> Looking at the questions from the Discord, we have Dale Jitsu asking, What are your thoughts on covenant theology? Uh, thoughts on covenant theology. I need to look into it more to understand all that's being said. Um, I believe ultimately you have a theology of the covenant. Um, I don't agree with Presbyterian and High, Cal and High, High Calvinist and Dutch Reformed uh, covenant theology that um, baptism is the new circumcision. I think the passage we just read demonstrates that it's the circumcision of the heart that we now have. Um, and yeah, baptism signifies our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ, um, which is, I think, more prefiguring of our resurrect eventual resurrection, because his raising was a resurrection. Um, but New Covenant theology, I'm not that familiar with New Covenant theology either. Uh, we're certainly in a new covenant, um, and dispensationalism, dispensationalism is nasty. It's, it's, um, it's like when you're going for a drink and you're expecting water, but it's not water. That's what dispensationalism is like for me. I don't like it. I don't think it's biblical. Um... I see where people get it from, from a word that's not inherently easy to translate. Um, rightly divide the word of God. The word there basically means um, to make a well-guided trail through a wooded area. So I think the proper term would be to trail, to trailblaze, to pathfind. Um which can be taken the wrong way also. So, you know, there's just not a good one-word translation uh, for the Greek there. Um, that's why modern translations say, rightly handle the word of God. It doesn't mean we need to separate... It doesn't mean... Um, dispensationalism. <laughs> um, God has always worked with his people in the same way in terms of salvation. Um, the Jews weren't saved by the law. <laughs> They were saved by grace through faith. Um, okay, his final question. Is it true that the 1689 is the embodiment of we have the Westminster Confession of Faith at home? <laughs> uh, no, it is the embodiment of... Um, this is the embodiment of... Um, copy my homework but make it look different um no what it is is actually it is uh, soundly it is the embodiment of semper reformunda we should always conform what we believe to the testimony of scripture where testimony where scripture differs from us we should cling to scripture not to what we hold to zwingli was a Pado baptist He taught his students sola scriptura. His students came to him and said, look, we don't find Pado baptism in scripture. And they divided over that. Um, I think the Westminster Confession of Faith is good and beneficial. Um, and as any confession, it is profitable. Um, it is edifying. It helps us summarize what we believe. In it is light insofar as it speaks consistent with the scripture. But scripture is the infallible authority. Um, confessions may err. And I believe that the London Baptist Confession would correct those errors. I probably don't even agree with everything in the London Baptist Confession. I don't, I, this is the thing, I, I can't please the Dutch Reformed, I can't please the Presbyterians, I can't even please 
the vast majority of Reformed Baptists, because I am a memorialist. I believe when I look at the cracker and the juice, uh, while it symbolizes Christ, that's where it ends. Christ is omnipresent, so of course he's there with us in fellowship, in the taking of the sacrament. Um, but he himself will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until we enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, so, and the body of Christ cannot be omnipresent. Um, it is the body of Christ. Um, it is flesh. It is true flesh. It's pokeable. Slappable. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a memorialist. I'm a Zwinglian. Ich um, Zwinglia. So, yeah, Semper Reformunda. That's the takeaway. We should always be reforming our understandings. Um, and maybe I'll write my uh, 2022 Stowellian Confession of Faith, which is just the 1689, but um, yeah, Stowellian Baptist Confession, uh, <laughs> which will be the same as the London Baptist, but with uh, memorialism, you know, um, and people can make jokes about that for centuries to come, uh, presuming there isn't a complete breakdown of human civilization um once things kick off in ukraine um <laughs> oh man i should have talked about ukraine in the state of affairs oops maybe next week maybe there'll be more exciting news next week um about that we will watch your career with great interest um as tensions rise between russia and ukraine and the UN is ready to uh, mobilize. Finally doing their job for once, you know. Um, hmm. That's all the questions I have, Theophilus. Um, closing segment? Closing segment. For anyone who happens to be new to the show, we do this little thing at the end called a benediction. That just means good word in Latin. <sighs> Where we turn to Matthew... Chapter 5, and I read verses 3 through 12. Because they are the teachings that Christ said to his disciples, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds... Oops. Yeah, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ. Rejoice and be glad, for in the same... Uh, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Go in the peace and love of our Lord and Savior, 